Time to abandon ship. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? It's a tradition. Here, here. Jar Jar, homie, my main man. Quickly, before the Separatists attack, get into the escape pod. Hey, this is escape, then we're the pod. Get the pod! Hey guys, welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod. Another episode of Clone Wars Talk. And we're talking about uh, some of the unproduced episodes, uh, which would have quite possibly been in Clone Wars uh, Season 6. And uh, that includes A Death on Utapau, In Search of the Crystal, Crystal Crisis, and The Big Bang. If you Google search Clone Wars uh, Crystal Crisis on Utapau arc, this is the story arc. And uh, sadly, never fully animated uh, in its final form, but uh, you can check all of these out on YouTube. Uh, and uh, the bonus features of the Blu-ray for Season 6. So let's chat about these with Diego. Another happy landing. going on <laughs> no, no not much man i don't know if that was a review or something but uh, no i know <laughs> i was like what's, i was like what's he doing what's he waiting for <laughs> yeah um, well we watched these episodes the other day um and uh I'm just curious to see like what you think about it we only chatted about it briefly after we watched them and then uh, and signed off to play a game but um yeah, what did you think about these? Um, you know, besides the fact of like, you know, <laughs> actually trying to take them seriously because of the animation, right? Um, had they have been, you know, made to the final process and actually turned into uh, an episode in the show, uh, I think they would have been pretty cool. It basically revolves mm-hmm. around, you know, Anakin and Obi Wan. They're sent on a mission. They have to find this this. Um, giant crystal which turns out to be a a massive kyber crystal um that the separatists and of course palpatine intend on using uh for some sort of weapon of mass destruction which of course if you can put two and two together would be the death star right Mm -hmm. so to see that idea of how that beam gets its power from how how that works that was really cool to me i really enjoyed the concept of it it just sucks Mm -hmm. that it wasn't an actual uh you know finished product but yeah but it, but it was still cool i i really i really enjoyed the concept of it so it was it was pretty sweet to see that yeah totally and then also the relationship between anakin and obi-wan that gets focused on quite a bit in this in the story arc as well um yeah that was that was a big one but yeah. um I, I got the i got the premises of all of these episodes so uh so let's, I guess, let's just start with a death on Utapau. Uh, did you get the story, the cookie for this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
one crime has to be concealed by another. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's so that's in reference to the dead Jedi because Anakin and Obi Wan go to Utapau to investigate the murder of uh, of a Jedi, and the premise of this one is uh, Obi Wan and Anakin investigate uh, a mysterious death of a Jedi master on Utapau and uncover a secret separatist weapons deal, the likes of which they have never seen before. So. Um, they, uh, so apparently I guess Obi-Wan's not, it's not his first rodeo on Utapau, uh, prior to, uh, you know, prior to killing General Grievous, uh, a few months later in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, this is actually the first time that he's been there dealing with some Clone Wars business and, uh, you know, Jedi Master dead on the ground. They do some investigating, they find out there's, um, this arms deal that's supposed to go down between uh, some of the locals and and uh, General Grievous, and uh, in the the next episode they find out what that that actually is. But um, it took you a little bit to get used to like you know people floating around instead of walking. <laughs> yeah, I like I was saying like it because I think you said it's called proxy animation or something, but it's yeah. mm-hmm. it's it's so bad like they when they walk it looks so abnormal like so unnatural right and so the first i think it's the first two episodes they just kind of float on Mm -hmm. the on the ground so it's 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 so comical it's it's kind of like some of those star wars memes you see on on um what's it called on youtube there so (laughs) so besides that it was it's kind of tough to like take it seriously the first the first couple episodes but but yeah but yeah, I mean, it's it's also interesting to see just like that's how they they put together these these stories, right? So like for yeah. the last six seasons of the show, uh, we've we've seen these beautiful, fully animated episodes that have clearly gotten better over time, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's how it starts off every single time. That that really that really hasn't changed. Like the process of doing this proxy animation uh, beforehand, and then they can change the cameras and the rough layout of where the characters are. Um, it's basically the equivalent to a 2D animation doing the sketches, you know, the panel sketches, uh, kind of like a, a rough comic book almost, you know, stylized that way. And then and then they do the final thing after. Uh, it's the same way, except uh, the whole thing is done in 3D animation again. And, uh, and the first time around, they just kind of hash it out. Uh, but the cool thing about these stories, and for any of you guys following along, uh, these are found on YouTube. They're also on the uh, the Clone Wars Lost Missions Blu-ray, which is basically the the the, the completed portion of of season six. They didn't actually market it as season six. They they marketed it as the Lost Missions. So if you do manage to pick up that Blu-ray, uh, it should be in the bonus features. Uh, Matt Martin from Luke's Story Group uh, was able to uh, answer my question about that on Twitter and. Uh, also, I do own the Blu-ray. It's just not currently at my place, and I haven't had a chance to go to where it is to crack it open and pop it in a player to check that stuff. But according to him, he believes that they are on there. So if you do have the disc, uh, then you can find those on on that. Uh, but uh, thanks to some dude on YouTube, we managed to watch them through that. But um, yeah, I thought, you know, as far as like story stuff, did you get any like interesting, do you catch any interesting things uh, in this first episode? Um yeah, I guess the first one that kind of 
stood out to me and it wasn't really a surprise you know kind of with with how Anakin has developed over the course of the show like he's he's obviously getting closer to episode three he gets angrier at at you know quite frankly little things more often I'd say um Mm -hmm. but I think they they ran in they ran into this um uh what are they called Tandorian and I don't know what they were talking about. I forget what they were talking about, but he gets mad at him and he says, I know how these Tandorians are They're They play dirty and all this sort of stuff. Um, and, and like Obi-Wan's always trying to like calm him down and trying to tell him like, okay, you know, just step back for a sec, gain your thoughts and like think logically here. But Anakin yeah. is always so, no, forget about that. Let's just, Let's just freestyle this. Yeah. Let's just get it done, right? So, yeah. And he yeah. said uh, he said something like, "I know Tordarians. Like they they you know they they're not gonna. I don't know. He he said something about it, and and it just made me think about Watto. Like he he's been obviously very hurt and scarred by being a slave boy to one of these creatures mm-hmm. or one of these aliens, right? And uh, obviously he holds a grudge. <laughs> and uh, I think I think anything to do with Tuscan Raiders. And Tordarians, he just he just has this negative feeling for, I guess, you know, just doesn't doesn't get along with them, uh, has is a bit impatient, a bit angry around them. And uh, he has no problem putting his lightsaber blade up to up to this guy's throat <laughs> when uh, they have to pull information out of him about this meeting that apparently took place between two parties and he knew something about it. But um yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, did you get anything else? Or? Yeah, I, I got a I got a few for this one. Um, this one is not really like I don't know. I don't find it all too interesting, but it's just like a quick little thing I've always noticed about uh, Star Wars in, in general. You know, every time Obi Wan speaks with someone that doesn't speak English, or quite frankly, other than say, you know, Episode One, Phantom Menace with a young Anakin and Watto, other other than that, where they actually speak a different language that's not English. Yeah. Every time I think about it, there's no character um, outside of those two and that movie that speak in the same language with each other. Like, for example, uh, in this episode, Obi-Wan talks with um, whoever he was speaking with, and the person is speaking to him in their native language. He's responding in English, translating to Anakin. Mm. It's like, how do you know all these languages, but you don't speak them? And it's, it's not just, it's not just Obi-Wan. There's lots of characters. Right. But I've always, just uh, yeah. that, right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I did a little bit of digging on this as well, because, because Obi-Wan is impressively good with, with languages sometimes. Right. And in this, in this scenario, Anakin didn't know what he was, saying but obi-wan did right uh if you're talking about the same situation that i'm talking about right um and uh and yeah and 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 it's uh, apparently something that the jedi have the option of studying during their uh, padawan years at the temple so apparently uh, the study of like different alien languages and cultures is is a, a thing that they do and not every single Jedi has to learn every single language in the galaxy because there's like probably billions. But, um, you know, because uh, however many is it that C-3PO knows, right? Like like six million, six million. Exactly. It's yeah. like there's there's like six million out there. There's no way that Obi-Wan knows them all. But of course. Uh, but I mean, he, he knows a few 
and uh, I would imagine Qui-Gon as well. And and being the apprentice to Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon was quite an adventurous kind of guy. And uh, I'm assuming he he went to a lot of places that were kind of kind of out there and a bit outlandish and maybe had to know some some native languages. Maybe it was something he just picked up through his studies, right? Uh, whereas Anakin, uh, a lot of his youth was actually, well, I think the progression between Padawan and Knight, I mean, there's no time between his Padawan and Knighthood to kind of like learn a language there because of the Clone Wars. But uh, but I think maybe in his earlier days, he he could have learned uh, a f- maybe one or two. Uh, but I think Tat, like... Um, the, his native language being being basic and then his secondary language being uh um oh man mm-hmm. i'm gonna have like a a raid going on outside my place for not knowing the name of this language <laughs> what's the language what's the language that he speaks on tatooine uh, i forget i, I, I forget know. the name of it uh what the heck hatiz sorry um, I think it's Hatties. Uh, so anyway, uh, <laughs> I need a coffee or something like that. For some I'm a little tired right now. Drinking ginger ale. I should be drinking coffee. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he, um, yeah, he speaks that. And I, I can't remember if there's anything else he's spoken in the past. But anyway, whatever. Um, I noticed that Obi-Wan talks about Qui-Gon as, as a maverick. He referred to, to Qui-Gon as a maverick. Uh which more or less kind of states what a lot of people say about Qui-Gon being this rogue kind of Jedi, because that's what they were talking about when they saw the dead Jedi on the ground. They're like, oh, yeah, she was this maverick person. The Jedi Council didn't always know what she was up to. She just did her own thing, you know, did did her own missions and, and did her own walkabouts kind of thing. Um, I thought it was interesting that they brought Qui-Gon up because a lot of people say that Qui-Gon is what they refer to as a gray Jedi. And gray Jedi is just not a thing. Like in the in the canon, at least, gray Jedi is just not a uh, is not an actual role. Um, it's it's more or less uh, the way he is. He's pretty rogue when it comes to like following the ways of the council and all that. Uh, but that's I guess what Obi Wan refers to as a like a maverick or a Jedi a Jedi maverick. It's not exactly an official you know thing, but uh, but that's that's what he is. Like so, he was still a Jedi. I don't like. The term gray Jedi has always kind of confused me because if you're a Jedi, you're a Jedi. You know, you're not like a half, a half kind of Jedi, right? Like that's just right. not a, not a thing. So, um, and, and very much kind of disagrees with the way that the Jedi perceive themselves. Um, you know, obviously they're very dogmatic. Like I, I highly doubt that they would take anyone beyond that maverick kind of status of like, oh, well, this person already does their own thing. Like if they if it went any further than that, I think they would probably cut ties and go their own way. But um, yeah, uh, anyway, I, I don't really have too much more for this one unless you had. Um, yeah, I got I got one more. Um, the the Magna Guards in this one, uh, this is the first we actually get a little glimpse of them talking um, and they don't. We're, we're so used to seeing them with these like long staffs, right? They have two, like they basically have a one cut in half and just have two sticks. Yeah. Um, and they actually talk in this one, which I found quite interesting. Um, uh, cause we don't, we don't see that, um, anywhere else, but that, that was, that's pretty much it for that episode on for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. All right. So in search of the crystal, uh, second episode in the arc was the cookie. Sorry. Um, 
Yeah, so this one is, the journey is often more important than the destination. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we got a bit of a moment with Anakin talking about Ahsoka in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the, that was the first thing. That's that's funny. That was the first thing I was going to bring up as well. Um, you know, he he wanted to contact Ahsoka, but if you know, kind of forgot for a second that she she had uh, left the Jedi Order after what happened to her in the yeah in the end of uh, season five. There, she was uh, wrongfully accused um, for crimes that she did not commit, and um, uh, you know, he Anakin misses her right, and again, Obi Wan tries to tell him about the whole you know um jedi being tied to their emotions and all that sort of stuff blah 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 um but you know anakin he's he's so like he's so easily attached to things so to people to whatever right and he's he's like you can see that in the conversation he has with obi-wan he gets what it what obi-wan is trying to put to him and he understands he understands it he's not stupid but he just it's not in his character to to just kind of like uh whatever so be it he's he's invested emotionally in in things right people yeah right totally yeah and yeah yeah uh Obi-Wan says that he wouldn't uh, sleep well if Anakin left the order. And and I think amongst this conversation about him having uh, his apprentice leaving, uh, Anakin that is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's incredibly hurt by this. And, and again, this is just one more stick that's been broken. And eventually he's just down to the last straw by the time we get to Revenge of the Sith. But but this left a huge like scar on, on his on his um uh his himself and uh his his emotional ties to the jedi because of ahsoka's decision to leave um and i think i think uh it kind of rung a different bell when he said like how would you feel if i left right and and obi-wan kind of denies all things to do with it he's like he's like well that'll never happen yeah, and he, but and little does and, he know, right? Yeah, but little does he know, right? And Anakin's like, it's and 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 Obi Wan's like, it's not the same. It's not the same as Ahsoka leaving. And and Anakin's like, it's exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like that's my apprentice, just as I am your apprentice. Like, mm-hmm. like how would you feel if I left? And and Obi Wan is basically just like, well, I guess I wouldn't sleep well. I, I, he doesn't want to even think about it, which which just goes to show how distraught he would be. And and we see that moment. Like you are my brother, Anakin. Mm-hmm. I loved you, and and I think it's a really like emotional uh, turn that of what it comes and like in this arc specifically, like we see these two people as brothers more than almost anywhere else in the whole show. Like we see these two characters in this brotherly relationship um, in this arc, like very very clearly. And there's so much banter between the two, and I, like I, I, like you heard me laughing through the whole arc. Like there's just so many good little quips and so many like banterous moments between the two of them that uh that are just really entertaining to listen to so mm-hmm. um yeah uh, what'd you what'd you get for this one um uh let's see uh, well, we also have the crystal for sale um yeah so this is the episode that's revealed that the actual uh arrangement that's supposed to happen is about this this crystal 
and uh, they have no idea how big this crystal is until until the next episode. But that's right. Um, um, yeah, I mean that pretty much you you pretty much nailed like every point I had for this one too. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we're, we're we're pretty well in sync on this. Yeah, I this mean, is like, why you're the only one that I do this series with. Like it's yeah. just our thing, you know. Like yeah, we, we got the, the the synchronized notes going on. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> the, the great minds think alike, right? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's 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 pretty much it. I mean they both they find this massive kyber crystal, which kind of leads us on to the next episode. Um, yeah. And yeah, so the next one, I don't know if you have any crystal else crisis. Uh, crystal crisis. What's the cookie for this? Yeah. So absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. This one, honestly, this one I hardly had anything for. They yeah. stole the crystal. Uh, there's some comical banter. Uh, there's uh, an appearance of the bogas that Obi Wan later rides in in Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. in his chase uh, mm-hmm. to to grievous kind of thing. But yeah, I didn't get anything for this one. Yeah, um, there was there was one uh, uh, there was one. Uh, uh, little part in in this episode where there's a there's a sound um, that I think some creature makes, but it, it's it's I, I swear it's straight out of Jurassic Park. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, there's like a pterodactyl kind of thing. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna say pterodactyl, but it's more like I've I like think, the the creature that made the noise. You mean? Yes, the creature that made the noise. Yeah. It, it was like, uh, I guess the best example I can think of from Jurassic Park would be if you watch the first one, uh, I think it's when they're running through the fields um, and they've got a whole bunch of other dinosaurs kind of running with them. Mm. Um, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I'm thinking of the third one. I could be thinking of the third one, but anyways, the the sound is from Jurassic Park. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, this one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the Skywalker sound has has uh, been the sound production company that's worked on many Lucas projects. Yeah. Um, ILM and and Skywalker Sound were both involved with the Jurassic. Jurassic uh, Park series and Jurassic World, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Skywalker Sound is obviously it's a, it's also part of uh, the Clone Wars as well. They they do all the sound production on the show, mm-hmm. so it is cool to see when you see the recognizable sounds that you see in the movies. It's 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 uh, it's awesome to hear that familiar take, right? And right. and then you just start to associate it with things that Lucas is involved with. And uh, I think that's where <clears throat> where this company's influence expands beyond Star Wars is is when you see the recycled assets and material that then later on show up in other things like uh, like the Jurassic Park series and or or Harry Potter, or, you know. And there, there's all these different um, venues of like where that uh, where those same people worked on those those other things uh, beyond Star Wars. So. Uh, yeah, that all goes into a whole uh, another conversation about um, how Star Wars has had a, a great influence and how it influences other things that you know exist today as well. But 
that's yeah i could talk about that forever so i'm not even gonna bother but mm-hmm. uh let's uh let's go to the next one uh the big bang the last episode in the arc actually hold on i have a i have a couple that i i kind of i starred them but i didn't see the star um oh okay sure yeah, yeah so um the kyber crystal um yeah so they they see it and I think it's I think it's in this one they speak with the council about it and they say look we we found what's to be known as a kyber crystal and I believe mm, Yoda yeah. Yoda says um, you know it's in legends right uh, and it's he's he's tells them this story about how these uh, mm. crystals were you are used um, to make massive displays of yeah power, right? in the days of the old republic yeah. they were yeah and be, even before that yeah, yeah. totally yeah yeah. And and uh, he brings that up, and and I th- I think it was Anakin. He says, "So you're talking about a story, about a children's story, about a fairy tale, right?" Yeah. Uh, and you know the the crystal actually fires for the first time in this episode, and its its energy is harnessed uh, kind of progressively because it fires several times in this uh, later half of this arc. But the first time it fires, it comes from uh, a mm-hmm. blaster bolt as they're kind of. Anakin and Obi-Wan, they're kind of going through the dunes of this, um, um, of this planet, right? And they're, um, they're kind of getting away from these guards that they were just in custody of previously. Mm-hmm. And the blaster bolt hits the crystal. It's absorbed and it fires back. And it's like, yeah. oh, so that's how it gets its energy. It's, it's, it's harnessed from another source of energy and that's how it fires. Yeah. But every time it fires, a bit more of energy is put into it thus making it put out, you know, output a bit more, right? Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the power is displayed, of, but of course, you know, not to its full potential this first time, right? But even with that little blaster bolt, it took out, what, 10, 10 guys that they were following, that were following yep. them, right? So yep. incredibly powerful, right? Um, yeah. And so Yoda's even kind of shocked. He's like, I'm, I'm even shocked to be hearing about this because this is, something of mass power that's hasn't been heard of or seen for how many generations thousands of years right thousands yeah yeah. Yeah. well yeah and 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 anakin to be the one that says like you're talking about something out of like a what does he say out of a children's story or out of a out of a fairy fairy tale fairy tale something like that yeah and uh it just made me think again just how uh how little the Jedi know that compared to us as viewers, like we don't even think twice about it. We're like, like, oh yeah, like stuff that happened in the days of old, like the Jedi today know about it, kind of thing, right? Yeah. But this this goes back to that talk that we had about immortality and and Yoda and uh, how how they didn't how do the Jedi at the, at our current time like don't know about that entire thing? Like they don't know that immortality is a thing through the Force, uh, retaining life after death. They they don't believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, again, it's just one of those things. It's like, wow, like the, 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 the records are incomplete, <laughs> you know, the, those massive, jet, the archives, the archives are incomplete. And, uh, that librarian that says to Kenobi, like, you know, if it, if it item does not appear in our records, it does not exist. <laughs> it's like, shut up lady. Like <laughs> there's so much stuff that's not in your archives that's that's out there and it exists and it's just because of all your you know uh stuck up kind of attitude about it the denial that things exist outside of your little library yeah um they're so in denial of so yeah it's it's so funny but yeah um but yeah like in the days of old uh massive super weapons 
were were that were made by the Sith and and the Jedi and whatever uh, were powered by these giant kyber crystals. And there's definitely more than one out there, uh, obviously, because uh, as we find out from the next episode, uh, this particular crystal in this arc uh, no longer exists and um and yet we still have a, a death star with a fully functional uh laser that operates and um if anyone wants to dive more into the entire construction of the death star you can read a book called rogue one catalyst and uh not only does it tie into that movie really well but it's it's a fantastic look at uh the production process and just how how these crystals really are powered powering that that uh, that super weapon but um yeah let's uh do you want to go into the next one big bang yeah fourth episode in the arc yeah yeah uh the cookie on this one is if at first you don't succeed destroy it um which is in reference to the uh kyber crystal right Mm -hmm. so um The, the Jedi obviously don't want this in the hands of the Sith. Um, you know, what yeah. what it's going to be for, we, we can suspect. It's, it's pretty fair to suspect that it's going to go towards the, uh, yeah. the Death Star, obviously. But, well, we know that. And I yeah. think Yoda, after his entire arc, I think he he's keeping an even closer watch on the events of the war mm-hmm. and how it actually could support the Sith, right? Their, their hidden enemy. And so he's the first one to be like, we cannot let this crystal get into the Sith's hand. Like if, if we can't have it, no one has it. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, not that the Jedi, at least in, at this point, I can't really speak for the ones of the old times, but you know, they're, they're not looking to destroy planets with it, of course. Right. No. So, no. you know, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it was, it, it was funny in this one. There's a, um, the part where, the council is speaking with uh, Obi Wan and Anakin. They're they're kind of filling them in. They're they're saying, you know, this is the Kyber Crystal, all this sort of yeah. stuff. Um, you know, Obi Wan tries to be like Anakin with the council a little bit, uh, and they tell him to kind of uh, uh, they tell him to kind of calm down. And I forget the word that Obi Wan tells Anakin. <laughs> He's like, uh, "You seem to be." something all the time and and you get away with it i i, I can't remember but you know yeah. what i'm talking about i can't yeah, remember the yeah. word. it's uh yeah i can't remember the word either but then yeah. anakin's just like but i'm I'm just better at it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah 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 um yeah a uh, defiant i guess would be one word uh to to replace it whatever it was but uh yeah basically just to defy the council and Mm-hmm. do their own thing right um anakin just gets away with it better but yeah that's right um, that's right yeah lots of so, one humor in this one too in this particular episode yeah quite a bit yeah uh, we also had some grievous on and uh kenobi action going on uh so again it's anakin never meets grievous through this whole show and i I brought it up a few times before but yeah but they they managed to always find a way to not put anakin and grievous in the same room Mm -hmm. um but grievous actually beats kenobi in a lightsaber duel Mm -hmm. and he could have killed him and he doesn't and he takes him prisoner and i was like out of this entire arc that was the one part i actually didn't like because it it you know, it shows that maybe Kenobi's not on the same, like they're on such an even level. And I don't like to think that Grievous ever has an upper hand on Kenobi. Like I always like to think that 
he is just the guy to run away from a fight. Uh, but, but I mean, Grievous actually beats Kenobi in a lightsaber duel, pans him pinned down, has him arrested. Mm-hmm. And then after Dooku kind of gives him the blessing to execute him, uh, he escapes. And it's yeah. like, well, of course he escaped. Like, like you know, naturally, that's what's going to happen. But, uh, but I mean, I was just surprised that this entire thing happened that way in the first place. I, I didn't, I didn't realize they would write that into. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like again, like these, these, these are fully animated proxies, but, um, but it still could have changed, like maybe a little bit, like before the end of the, you know, before it was fully animated, but, but. Uh, there was so much of the story that hinged on Obi-Wan getting captured and Anakin having to break him off, uh, break him out, that uh, I was actually kind of surprised that they actually let him lose that fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I've noticed like like the last last few big, you know, fight scenes with where Obi-Wan is is in it, um, he's losing, right? And, mm. you know, I think kind of like I started noticing it more and more from like Maul. And then mm. like before that, perhaps not so much, but but like from when Maul comes back to like now in the show, uh, he's losing a lot. Right. But it's a different story in episode three when he when he, you know, fights Anakin, of course. But even then, I mean, still so, so evenly matched. I mean, uh, not to not to kind of downplay on Obi-Wan's abilities or anything, but I think kind of his when he's in the zone, like Phantom Menace, he just killed Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Maul, and um, you know, Obi-Wan gets pissed off about it and he 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 acts upon those emotions. That yeah. is when I think that's one of his best fights, if you ask me. Like cuz he's so in the zone, he's He's mm-hmm. got a mission. He wants to yeah. destroy this guy, right? And he fights well, right? Yeah, yeah, he does. And I think that's actually he's a good fighter, but then I think there are a lot of times that he that he does lose. Like mm-hmm. he loses to Dooku in episode two. And three. Um and and three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um and yet he he does barely manage to take down Grievous in in uh, with a blaster. Of all things, yeah, exactly. And uh, and Anakin, he takes down only because he gets a little cocky and thinks he can pull the same move on Obi Wan that Obi Wan did on Maul, where he flips over his head and and cuts him in half, kind of thing, right? That's yeah. what he was going for. He's like, he's like, it's poetic. He's yeah. like, I'm gonna pull the same move on Obi Wan as he did to that dude that that's still out there, uh, yeah. bro. But but yeah, um, but yeah, he's like, I'm gonna do the same thing. And, and he does it and he loses all, all the rest of his limbs. So I think it's incredibly poetic that he actually tried to do that um, and failed. Uh, and uh, that's what they're going on about. He's like, that's why Obi-Wan says it's over. I've got the high ground. Mm-hmm. And because like it's Obi-Wan's trick. He's like, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. You're not going to try this. Don't try it, Anakin. Yeah. Don't try it. I've been here before. You, don't you underestimate do my power. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, Obi-Wan is not the, 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 the Jedi's best lightsaber combatant. Um, he's good. He's mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as good as Mace Windu. I don't think he's as good as Anakin in most scenarios. Certainly but, not Yoda. 
Certainly not Yoda, but yeah. uh, no, exactly. Um, but I mean, he and and then he again, like he later in his old man age loses to Vader, uh, probably on purpose. But yeah, but, you know, yeah. it's it's still well, it is on purpose. But I mean, who knows how that fight would have ended if he didn't do it on purpose? But um, I think it's just obviously uh, that's it's not even debatable. But I mean, it's uh, yeah, he's he's definitely not the the absolute best lightsaber combat out there there's probably gonna be a lot of people that hate me now <laughs> for saying that but well, i mean look I at mean, the facts man he's not like he's like you said he's very good and as i was yeah. saying earlier not to downplay him at all he's very good but exactly he loses yeah. quite a lot too he does he does it's true it's yeah. true and um yeah. and uh, in the show as well specifically i mean we see more of all of these characters in the clone wars than in the live action films mm-hmm we get more on our screen time with all these characters through this seven now season show would have been eight seasons uh, than we do in the two and a half hour movies. Right. That's so right. Um, I think that's why I love the show so much. It's just it's just so in depth and um, there's always so much to talk about. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really get too much too much further with these these notes. I mean, they they ended up successfully blowing up this crystal and um blows up a big huge trade federation starship with it and grievous gets away as usual and mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't know did you get any any anything else um yeah i mean pretty much the same thing i mean they we finally see a, a bigger display of power with uh with the crystal yeah. but um as i was saying earlier like dependent on how much you put into it the output mm-hmm. increasingly gets better, right? Yeah. So you know, Obi Wan he hops in all these uh, these ships in the hangar, and he just sends like a a, a huge blast into them, right? And mm-hmm. it keep, each time the crystal keeps sucking up that energy, and he goes through at least five different ships. So by yeah. the end of it, he um, the crystal destroys the you know this uh, adjacent um, separatist ship, right? But yeah. uh, that that's just a ship. Right, we see it destroy a planet yeah. in Episode Four. So exactly, there's a lot more jam to this thing. This thing is oh yeah crazy, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, and it also makes you wonder. It makes me wonder because I think I don't know if this is. I can't. I can't tell you where I learned this, but I think I remember reading it or something somewhere that there's actually more than one crystal on board the Death Star, and uh, actually getting into the crystal talk. I'm going to flash back to our youngling episode arc that we did a while back, the, the gathering, mm-hmm. uh, that, that story arc, mm-hmm. uh, there's something that comes up in there where, where Dr. Hu Yang or whatever, the, the droid, the, the droid lightsaber technician guy on board the, the, the ship, mm-hmm. uh, he said something about how it's like, ugh, man, I, I forget the, the part. It was like some weird name, transfiguration matrix or whatever. Um, but uh, basically, the lightsaber was able to blow up if if the thing wasn't in there properly, right? Like the kyber, the little tiny kyber crystal, and that's what they the trick that they used on the pirate, right? Like when Hondo's crew came on, and the the youngling kid gives, him, he's like, oh yeah, here, just have it, and it was like a it was like booby trapped kind of thing because it was made incorrectly. So when he tries to turn it on, it blows up, and the crystal survives, but everything else everything else doesn't. Surprisingly, the crystal survives, but. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Anyway, that translates then into this arc where they try to blow up the kyber crystal and therefore the ship by overloading the crystal with so much firepower that it's just it, you know, goes overboard. Right. And I think it might be the same thing with the Death Star, where when they shoot in the the missiles into that thermal exhaust port, it actually might maybe like that's what it maybe that's what it does. Maybe it like it starts a chain reaction by by overloading, like maybe how that weapon is connected to the whole thing. Uh, if there was no weapon in the Death Star, maybe it wouldn't have blown up that way. Like, who knows? But uh, I think it has something to do with those kyber crystals and just the way that they actually work as far as power regulation goes and how it outputs that power and how it takes in and recycles to, to blow something else up, right? Like if there's too much going in, maybe it just, it can't handle it and, and it just blows up kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, I think I think this whole arc was pretty cool. Like to, uh, it was a good foreshadowing for sure uh, on uh, the original trilogy. And for any fans of the original trilogy, they definitely appreciate where the story was going. So, mm-hmm. um, I definitely liked it. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, I was kind of, I was like, uh, I wonder if he's gonna get through this. It's it's not the most beautiful to look at kind of thing. It's like pretty, it's pretty rough animation, but uh, the story's still there, and I think that's the whole point. All the voice recordings are there. The music is roughed out. Um, yeah, you get yeah. the idea. You get yeah. the idea. Yeah, the message is still uh, kind of put across to the viewer. Um, totally. But <clears throat> what one last thing or two last things I kind of want to bring up, um, you know, even though the, the, the crystal is destroyed, um, Yoda knows the Sith Lord will find another one. And he mm-hmm. knows that he's at this point in the war, he's already kind of in his own kind of like, let's call it hallucination, right? He sees mm-hmm. Darth Sidious. He meets him for the first time. They actually duel. He sees what he's capable of. He sees this, you know, big uh, evil that's out there right they don't know where they're told it's it's from within them which is absolutely true but he he just can't put two and two together yet at this point he knows that there's a possibility that this sith lord is so close to them that it's been like a, a plot that's been growing so much and expanding over the past 10 years since uh, yeah, Palpatine yeah. came into, into power, right? Yeah, and, like a cancer. Yeah, like, like a and, cancer, and yeah. In, in, that, in that cave, all those visions he saw, Qui-Gon said to him, like, this is just a, a glimpse at the power that, that the Sith now hold. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, Yoda, I think, is just taken aback by how much control they actually have right now and just how much pain and suffering that they can cause at the flip of a switch exactly and again you know he's he's starting to think or yoda's starting to think more and more outside the box here and kind of looking at the bigger picture here and kind of thinking okay maybe you know what there's something bigger at play here and he's only just now kind of coming into all of this yeah Um, yeah but i mean it's it's insane just the 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 level of you know master puppet uh, uh, puppet or puppetry mm-hmm. that, that uh, Palpatine is pulling he's pulling all the strings right so yep. he's I don't know they're they're so blind they're doomed right but they're it, they are yeah. <laughs> like they are it's gonna go it's nothing but downhill from here on out right oh totally yeah totally yeah uh, speaking of here on out uh, the next couple 
items on our list, uh, kind of like this one where we actually, well, I mean, it was a story arc, but um, but the Clone Wars Legacy Project is, is what it's a part of. And the Clone Wars Legacy was an initiative done the following year or so after the show was canceled. And it was kind of an initiative to help keep some of the stories alive. And just uh, it was about Pablo and Dave were kind of working together, trying to figure out a way to get the Clone Wars out uh, since its cancellation and and try and tell some of the stories still through other other funnels. And um, uh, there's a video that you can find on YouTube and on StarWars.com. And uh, if you just Google search Star Wars The Clone Wars Legacy, uh, you'll be able to read up a little bit about it. But let's just listen and uh, watch uh, this uh, clip here just to explore a little bit about what that is. The importance of Clone Wars that cannot be understated is that it was, it was the last huge expansion of the Star Wars universe that came directly from George Lucas. We were able to take it in directions that had never been done before. You really got to see a lot of the things that they hinted at in the prequel movies but didn't really get to explore. Because it came from George, it's so tapped into the history of cinema and the stuff that inspired him. He got more and more interested in pushing the limits of that and seeing you know, almost what could break it. Can you guys do a giant Godzilla-sized creature, Zilla Beast? Okay, great. Can you guys do a zombie film? Can you guys do a Hitchcock-style film? Can you do Seven Samurai in 22 minutes? The only way we'd feel comfortable telling a story about Yoda exploring the really trippy sides of the Force is if that got the blessing from George. In the same way, this, this new material that we're developing with Clone Wars makes some profound statements about characters like Darth Maul and Ventress. The stories were there, they were written. Some of them were completely designed by Killian's design team. Some of them were shot. They just weren't animated and, and lit. Even though those Clone Wars episodes did not get publicly revealed, we still look at their core stories as having happened. Kiri Hart was immediately asking me almost, how could we find a way to put these out? You know, what if we did the Darth Maul story as a comic book with Dark Horse Comics? How Darth Maul ends up in Clone Wars, to me, is really interesting because we were able to give him that kind of emotional depth that we were never able to see in the movie. My hatred kept my spirit intact even though my body was not. Darth Maul has always been such a great fit for comic books. He's such a physical character, a menacing character, someone that you really want to see in action. It was one of the arcs that I really believed in and I felt like there was a lot of story there to be able to tell. It wasn't just evil versus evil. It was like someone that we respected versus some characters that as bad as they are, we still love watching them in action and kind of scheming and their machinations against one another. It's not so much as to where he goes next, it's now you finally understand why this all happened. Now you understand that there was a reason for Maul's resurrection. It's a really important part of Darth Maul's story. It's a really important part of Mother Talzin's story. We were able to fully flesh out what Maul was, what his motivation was. It was extremely challenging, but I think overall we were very happy with the way it turned out. The Utapau arc actually was another one of these interesting arcs. It's a different thing to watch proxy animation, but it, 
it really is kind of the closest that you'll be to experiencing what it's like to be George Lucas and say, watch that and see what you think. What you're seeing is a work in progress and some people quickly uh, get that idea and others, you know, it's, it's, it takes a little bit getting used to. That was actually one of the arcs that we really wanted to capture kind of the spirit of the original trilogy in the prequel era and see Obi-Wan and Anakin working together in a way that, you know, when we do see it, it's always special and it's always fun and really defines what the Clone Wars is about at its core. It's, it's some of the best performance from Matt Lanter and, and James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan and Anakin that you'd almost, you don't want to lose that by adapting it to a format where you can't hear those performances. I'll contact Ahsoka. Maybe she can... Anakin? Forget about it. She's gone. It was really important that we address the Ahsoka issue and, and to show that Obi-Wan was there for Anakin when he needed it and that Anakin ultimately opened up to Obi-Wan about you know, how he really felt in her leaving. Utapau is a, a, a fantastic environment that, you know, on the surface you think it only exists to fit a particular purpose in episode three, but I think George was particularly enamored with Utapau and its story is not done yet. This is what's great about StarWars.com. We know we have a, a, a built-in audience that is willing to overlook the unfinishedness of it if it means that this is an opportunity to understand what that story was. I've always wanted to do a novel starring Ventress. I think she's a fascinating character. I love to watch her. Ventress? It looks like I'm here to rescue you. When did you become the good guy? Don't insult me. We had written several scripts for her story. The next one was one where she was gonna cross over with Quinlan Vos. She's really unlike any other Jedi she's ever encountered before. And someone who, in a way, shares some more qualities with her than with his fellow Jedi. An author could take some of these ideas, very complex ideas around Ventress and her character, and just expand on these ideas in an intricate way that I was never gonna have time to do on a TV series. It has kind of all of the classic elements of Star Wars that we would come to expect with you know, love and betrayal and sadness, revenge. We hired Christy Golden to write the novel. Through our discussions with Christy about it, she brought a lot of great ideas to the table. And then we work with Story Group and with Dave ultimately to see if those additions make sense. Those stories were some of my favorite stories to be able to tell. And I think that you're going to be able to tell it in a way that you can add all sorts of elements that we weren't able to do in the script. Just for the pure psychology of that character and the psychology of Quinlan Voss, I think is going to be super exciting. These three stories offer a really nice variety. I mean, Maul is, is sort of arch-villainy and grandiose battle plans in action. The Ventress Voss arc has super intense character interaction between the two of them. And the Utapau story is just old-fashioned Star Wars adventurism. You're just grateful at a certain point that other people want to tell these stories. You know, you, you feel honored that, that other people feel they're worth telling. We're in this point in Star Wars history, which is a great place to be in, but it comes with its own set of challenges, where we're on the cusp of telling all these new stories and, and having them really be integral to the canon as we're going forward. We're very careful in the steps we're taking. We're not moving too fast. We're making sure that everything meshes, not only from a continuity standpoint, but from a sensibility standpoint as well. The one thing you need are good stories to tell, and thanks to the legacy that George left us, 
we have uh, many, many, many good stories that hopefully the audience will get to see. All right, the Clone Wars legacy. So uh, that's uh, those three story arcs. Having just talked about one of those three, being the Crystal Crisis on Utapau story arc, uh, we do have two more to talk about. So the next one we're going to be going after is uh, probably the Dark Disciple novel, and uh, that'll be coming up next week. And uh, the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir comic book, we're going to get to that as well. Um, it'll be a little quicker to get through. And uh, we'll be able to chat about those stories as well. So uh, Darth Maul's Son of Dathmir was four episodes that were adapted into a Dark Horse comic book right before Marvel got the license. So it actually is canon. It's part of the, the it was the last thing that Dark, Dark Horse did uh, in Star Wars comic world um, that was then put into the canon, uh, which uh, none of their other stuff actually is. And... Um, and then the Del Rey novel, which came out called uh, De uh, Dark Disciple, uh, was uh, eight episodes uh, adapted into novel format. It's about 42 chapters, and each chapter is pretty evenly distributed, easy to get through, quick uh, quick chapters to read. And, and the whole book uh, just blends so well with the show. You can just hear those characters in your head as you read them. And uh, it's one of my star of my favorite Star Wars books that's ever been put out. Uh, it's it's exactly how they said it's it's um, the character interaction is something unlike anything that you could watch in an episode, anyways. Um, and uh, I think that's about all I got as far as Clone Wars Legacy stuff goes. Uh, we're gonna do a dedicated episode to all the episodes that weren't. Uh, put into the Clone Wars Legacy project. Obviously, there's a few uh, items in there between what would have been an eight-season show and now what we have is a seven-season show. Uh, there's about 20-something-odd episodes that were not... Uh, that have stories that just weren't told. And um, thankfully, uh, due to Clone Wars Legacy, like three of those arcs were told, which is uh, an accumulated total of uh what is that eight nine ten eleven twelve sixteen sixteen episodes uh between Utapau, dark disciple and son of dathomir so that's not bad i mean that's that's basically kind of the equivalent to the remainder of season six being a 13 episode uh mini season and what would have been a 22 episode season so it's the rest of the season six essentially and a little bit more and so uh the things that we didn't get, which uh, on on Disney Plus season seven is uh, is twelve episodes or so, and uh, that's three four part story arcs, and so there is a gap in there of things that we just didn't get the final story for. And over the course of Star Wars Celebration 2015, 2016, 2017, uh, and Comic Con 2018. Uh, we had four years of panels that took place at these events and uh, Dave and Pablo have talked about those arcs and uh, revealed some information and we're, we're going to talk about those things in a dedicated episode to all the untold Clone Wars stories as well. So uh, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. You want to you want to cap us off there, Diego? Well, as always, guys, thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for the next one stay safe out there um 
you know any comments questions or concerns for the show anything you guys want to talk about have any questions or you maybe want to appear on the show who knows um feel free to tweet us email us we're happy to respond you know give us that five star rating we really appreciate it and you know thanks for tuning in we'll see you on the next episode thanks man see you next time see ya All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in and be sure to send this uh, show to a friend or, or for somebody who's interested in Star Wars and the Clone Wars and, and all that stuff. We're, we're almost at the end and uh, season six is now behind us and the untold Clone Wars stories are ahead, including the Clone Wars Legacy. So once we get through Clone Wars Legacy, we're going to be moving on to the untold stories of Star Wars The Clone Wars. And this is going to be those 20 something odd episodes that weren't fully adapted into even proxy animation yet. Uh, nor were they adapted into any other form of story material like a comic or a novel. Uh, fortunately, you know, Dark Disciple, Son of Dathomir, we got those adapted. Uh, the story reels for Utapau arc worked out really well. Uh, there was also a story reel for a Bad Batch arc, which later actually did end up getting finished and is in season seven. So that's why I'm actually kind of ignoring uh, that uh, in the mention of, of all this... Um, Clone Wars Legacy stuff, but uh, but yeah, it was originally part of part of Clone Wars Legacy, and and they ended up completing that as part of the final season. So uh, the Clone Wars Untold though uh, goes for all those stories that uh, exist on a page in the Lucas archives that we never got to see. Some proxy clips here and there that that were released at different conventions and whatnot. But uh, but over the years, uh, as Dave and Pablo have talked about those stories, uh, we'll do a dedicated episode just on those uh, called uh, All the Untold Clone Wars that we never had or something like that. So anyway, stay tuned for the next one. Dark Disciple on its way. May the force be with you guys. See you next time. Yeah.